Welcome back to another episode of Have a Dope Day. I'm your host, Gabriel Lopez. Today, I got with me Carlos Rodriguez, a member of the Dukes Car Club, a leader in the car club. Thank you very much, Carlos, for joining me. Please explain to the people exactly what your position is in the car club. Um, just, uh, a, you know, Dukes being such a big worldwide club, we mm. we kind of split into like a section. So uh, be considered like a regional for Northern California. Uh, we got, you know, California, we have the most chapters of anywhere. Okay. Uh, so uh, Northern California, I kind of just, if there's any issues, I address those. Southern California, our international president addressed those. And then Texas and all the Western states has a regional as well. Have you ever seen all the chapters in one place at one time? Yeah. Well, as a matter of fact, in two weeks, we'll see that as well. Uh, we have our 60th anniversary in uh, L.A. Okay. in two weeks. So we'll, we're going to have people come all, all over the world. We have, you know, Sweden, we have Dang, uh, Japan. Crazy. Yeah. And the last time I saw that was during our 50th, our 50th, we took this guy over here. Uh, he was a baby and that was a big, uh, it's on YouTube. You can see that's that. That's crazy. Yeah. 50 years, bro. That was, that was 10 years ago. Yeah. Dang. So we're 60 now. So you're like the low rider HR. Yeah, somebody like, you know what? That's an inside joke between me and my national president too, bro. I said I'm gonna be the new HR. These fools call like, "Hey, dog." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm honest. There's no sexual beef between you two. Yeah. Huh? You're the two members, guy members. Oh, uh, that's dope. All right, so we'll start the episode off uh, with me just giving a summary of, you know, how you got here. We did the episode with you and your wife. I thought it was great. Good response. I wanted to know more about you. Um, just because your wife is a lot more talkative and you're talkative too, as long as I ask you a question. Mm -hmm. Right. And I was like, I wonder what else he has like packed in his life. Like I'm interested to know about right. you. And you look like a lot of people I've grown up with that I've seen that are uncles and just other people. And I was like, I bet you, I bet you there's something wild here. And when we started talking, I was like, Oh shit. Like I wasn't expecting you to say all the things you said. And I think the listeners in the audience will appreciate your journey from where you started to the choices, the positive choices you made into where you are now, yeah. especially into the father you've become. So I'm excited for everybody to hear about you and learn about you. I'll just get into the episode with asking you, where does your biological family come from in the world? Okay. Uh, I was born in 1979 to a family from... Um, I was born in Santa Barbara, California. I was the first one of my siblings born in the uh, U.S. Okay. My parents are both from uh, Durango, Mexico. And um, I have some older siblings also born there. And uh, I was the first one, like I said, born here. And then following me was my, my younger brother. Yeah. Also born here. Born at Cottage Hospital, Santa Barbara. Did they ever tell you about the journey here from Mexico? I, did, I, w I didn't hang around long enough to know, to know okay. about that. Yeah. How far down Mexico is the place they're from? Uh, it's it's considered northern part of Mexico. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, it, it's it's a little ways down. You know, kind of more in the central, but it's still northern northern Mexico. Is it a rural area? Is it like a city area? Like what's the no what's the no? Spot? It's it's very like you know ranches. And, okay. You know what I mean, okay. Now there's <clears throat> there's a special dynamic in your family home in the beginning that is. Could have led to the excuse to be any other type of person. I'll, I'll say that, right? You had all the reason in the world because of how you grew up to be a very hateful person, and you've turned out to be the direct opposite of that. So if you could just, in your own words, summarize 
what your childhood was like from what you can remember before foster care came into play? Before foster care? Yes, sir. From what I remember, I mean, uh, uh, I mean, I remember, you know, playing in the, in the projects, you know, I, I specifically remember incidences, uh, all the kids just playing. It was just like one big old party thing. Right. Yeah. Um, which was my childhood was intercepted by many times of being pulled out of that playing area with everyone else and, uh, you know, get taken upstairs and, you know, whipped or hit or all all this other stuff, which I kind of thought was normal. Right. Because it didn't seem like a big deal. Like I would just say, Hey, get up here. You know what I mean? And then stuff would happen. And, Come to find out later on, that wasn't a normal thing, you know. Um, it was blamed on me having accidents, but come to find out later on, those accidents were probably caused by abuse that was going on, you know. Uh, before that, that's all I, I, I really remember, you know. I remember good times and bad times. What are some of the the better times you remember? Uh, just, I think the best times I, I can remember is just playing with my siblings. Okay. Uh, at that time, I had um, my older brother, two older sisters, and my younger brother. Which projects did you guys live in? Uh, it's in a town called Goleta. Okay. 805. It's just, it's actually where like, UC Santa Barbara is at. UC Santa Barbara's not really in Santa Barbara. It's in Goleta. And then there's a little neighborhood called IV where that's where UC Santa Barbara is. So just north on the 101 of Santa Barbara. <clears throat> did you live in a family? Like, did everybody else live there too? cousins or was it just a no. bunch of strangers no, no no it was uh you mean in in our actual yeah uh in my actual f- uh house was just uh our, our immediate family but okay. i at that time you don't know who's who you know what i mean like i said i was up to four years old um i believe we did have rel- a lot most of our relatives lived in la okay but i do remember because i do remember you know us having you know family here and there but at that point i didn't know where they lived or uh anything um I couldn't even tell you at that point if it was my mom's side or my dad's side, yeah. you know. Now, you had to say that you were pulled upstairs and get, gotten whipped. When you talk about whipped, are you saying you just got smacked with the belt? I got that. I deserved it for a lot of things. You know, we got hit, but it was it was within reason. Mm-hmm. Are you talking about it going outside of reason? Like, Yo, yeah. Now that I think about it, it was definitely outside of reason. Um there was one incident, I mean, and, and it's crazy because I don't really talk about that too much, but I remember a time when, uh, you know, I even remember the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches were cutting triangles, right? Yeah. They brought them out, and it was kind of like the kind of projects where someone would bring them out, and it, all, it was open for all the kids. Yeah, everybody would share it. Yeah, all the kids would have it, right? Watermelon, whatever. I went to grab one, and then all of a sudden, you know, I, I, I grabbed one, but then I was grabbed by uh, my biological mom. Yeah. She took me upstairs and I remember going up to the bathroom and then next thing you know, you know, she's drawing cold, uh, like a cold bath. Yeah. And I was in the water and you ever go like uh, swimming and you dive in and you look up and it's blurry. Yeah. Well, it was like that, but it was my mom holding my head under the water. And I remember the cold water under the cold water and I couldn't, I could, she wouldn't let me up. And so I was holding, she was holding my head under the water. And when I came up, my dad, my biological dad was sitting on the, not sitting on the toilet like that, uh, going, yeah, yeah. but he was just sitting on the toilet. Like he was like, kind of like the discipline, you know what I mean? But yeah. she was the one doing it. And, uh, then I'd go back under and, you know, it was, it was weird because, you know, that's, 
that's your mom. Yeah. You know? And she was, I didn't know if she was trying to drown me or what, but that was something that always stuck out with me uh, as a child. Like, why? You know what I mean? That's just, it was unnatural, right? To have your mom, you know, being, holding you under the water like that. And I think it was kind of drastic because it wasn't, wasn't just like just dunking you to get your hair wet. It was, I, I was fighting, you know? And you were four? No, that was probably, yeah, I was probably three or four. I think that was towards the end of my time there. <clears throat> My boys are seven and eight. At three or four, I could pick them up with one hand. I could feel how soft their 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 fucking bodies are. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like I could lay down with them and just they're tiny, they're fucking tiny. Yeah, and they don't know shit. Um, I couldn't imagine. I fucking stab somebody if they were if I seen that even if it wasn't my kid. Yeah, like. And especially for the offense you're talking about. Now, I, I have experience with uncontrollable rage when it comes to people just, there's no level up to 10. There's no, you know, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. It's from right. one to 10. Right. That kind of sounds maybe like it played a part in your parents. Yeah. Would they just snap and go straight to rage? You know what? I think to this day, no one will ever really know, you know, okay. uh, I, I, I later realized in, in, um, cause you know, as a kid, I mean, growing up, I was always curious to like, why, why, why was I yeah, targeted, yeah. you know? Yeah. And then uh, a statistic showed that in most cases of child abuse, it's one kid singled out. It's oh, not shit. a whole household of kids. So in that, in that instance, I was the kid. So everybody else is watching this go on and they're not also being to be, subject to, to it. To be honest with you, I don't even know if they ever watched. They, From what I remember, I never, they never witnessed it. It was always me by myself. So that, that was a, another, another incident that I remember as a kid is, uh, the other one is, is bothering, is more physical, but the other one, I think for some reason I always remember is, uh, we were at the projects and, it was like basically it was like a it was pouring pouring down rain and from the parking lot you can see down into the the, the housings right and i remember just standing outside while the whole family was gathered around the table eating and it was just pouring dumping and for some reason that always stuck out in my head like why why am i not in there you know what i mean yeah but that was more of an emotional side right not yeah. a physical side so there was just instances like that where I'm like, damn, I wonder what I did or why I can't go in there, you know? But uh, like I said, I was only up to four years old and, you know, uh, if I, I handed you some stuff and I didn't realize that, you know, like one years old, I had a broken arm, you know, yeah. walking around with a cast and a lot of other things. But yeah, just uh, for some reason, there's a couple of incidences that stand out. And I, I think there's a reason for me to remember things like that, you know? When I sat down with you, I was excited. I was was excited. Now I feel I feel mad and sad all at the same time. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So it's a, it's a like because I can picture my boys, bro. Yeah, my boys are fucking tiny, and they weren't. That was just recently, and for for somebody to do that is, I I don't call too many things evil, yeah. right? Like sexual assault against a child is fucking evil. Absolutely. When you abuse a child, that's evil. When you, when you hurt somebody who's weaker than you, that's a level of evil. Yeah. You know, according to how you're hurting them. But like, this what you're talking about 
sounds, it's evil. I would call it evil. And like, I don't know why somebody would do that, especially to their own, um, with other kids around. And like, I don't know what was going on with mom and dad. Um, it doesn't sound like financially, if you guys are in the projects and there's multiples, you know, maybe the finances weren't the best, which I'm sure they were going through shit, but I don't think there's anything that would warrant or, or justify what we're talking about here. Now, where does where does foster care get in or where does the state get involved and how does the state get involved? I believe the state was involved throughout the journey. If you look, there's dates, you know, from when I was three years old, uh, four years old, I think even two years old. Okay. Where people started reporting incidences. Um, so I don't remember like people reporting because, um, you know, they wouldn't talk to me about it. Yeah. But I do remember social workers being involved. And uh, one of my main social workers was a lady named Elaine. And I don't know what it was, uh, but we had like a real strong connection. You know? Yeah. And I don't even know how we had a strong connection because she didn't speak Spanish and I didn't speak English. But I think to me that was like, she was like a, a breath of fresh air. What color was she? She was white. Okay. Uh, white lady, red hair, looked, you know, similar to Lucille Ball. Okay. You know, very pretty, but uh, totally not something that you would think I would gravitate to, you know? Yeah. And uh, she, I mean, to be honest with you, I can remember the smell of the Ford Tempo. She would pull up. Damn. I'd get in, she'd drive me through the mountains and just give me a break. Yeah. And then, unfortunately, you know, drop me back off, you know. What's what's your day-to-day like? Four is before school, I think. Three or four is before school? We had Head Start. Okay. So I was going to Head Start. I was still going to school, like, right? I was just starting Head Start. And tell me about just waking up in the morning on a, on a Monday to go to school. Uh, I remember, uh, I remember, remember those generic boxes of like cornflakes. Yeah. 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 You know what I mean, I always remember stuff like that or watching cartoons, but, uh, uh, it, I don't know how normal it was because my situation was not normal, but I was always real anxious. Yeah. You know what I mean? I always had a sick feeling in my stomach. Yeah. And I remember that, like, you know, probably the same feeling you would get as a kid if you, didn't turn in a homework project and yeah. you knew your parents were going to find out. Yeah. But I had that all the time. And that's, I, I think now when I look back at it, it was probably because I didn't know what was coming next. Yeah. What, yeah. what was coming next? My, how, well, you know, was I going to, yeah. Was it your turn again? Yeah. Was it my turn again or you know what I mean? But I do remember always having a nervous feeling, you know? Now are you able to sit down with your brothers and sisters and watch cartoons or are you fucking freaked out looking around? Like, Trying um, to anticipate. You know what? I, it got to the point where it was so normal. I believe that I, you know what? I just took it, man. I was a, yeah. I, I was a, I became a tough little kid, and uh, and I feel bad in ways because my older brother had to endure the part of you know uh, watching us a lot, right? Yeah. And um, to after everything happened, I, I think he took a he took it kind of personal, like it was his fault, right? That yeah, things went that, that way. Yeah. And, and I don't think any kid should have no. to endure that, you know what I mean? But the reality is in a lot of, you know, Hispanic families, you know, mom and dad both working a couple jobs to make it work. And, uh, you know, you put the oldest one in charge 
so you know a lot of times things that happen that's not his fault he shouldn't have to endure the the, the responsibility or, or guilt you know when i was when i was young like six or seven my mother would have to leave for a little bit for whatever reason wouldn't be very long but there was nobody there to watch us and i remember she would lock the door and leave and i would like i would be in the house I don't remember if my sisters were there or not. I just remember a few key times of it being like extra stressful. Like literally every car door I heard, it might've been the first time she left me. Mm. Again, I don't remember exactly, but like I remember being just so freaked out. And like, even I had talked in another episode, walking to the store as a little boy and everybody telling me kids are getting stolen. I'd be freaked out, right? Like just in my own mind, making up what's going to happen next. That's off of stuff that I didn't experience. Those people are that, that, told me things and you actually experienced it. So I can just maybe imagine what that would be. I, could, I can't imagine what that would be like. Yeah. Cause you're, you're, you're young. You're trying to watch cartoons, right? You're in like the, the chillest time of your life where you're with your brothers and sisters, everybody's up and like, you're not able to actually be that, be a kid. Right. Like you're freaked out. Um. I mean, I remember there was a day, the day finally came where CPS kicked the door down. And we all were hiding. And, yeah. Uh, it was kind of like a movie, if you really think about it. I was dragged out, and I was the only one taken. So that was, like, the last time I seen my siblings, you know? Yeah. And uh, I kind of always wondered, again, same thing. Why me? Why am I taken? Why yeah, am I yeah. being taken? Because as a kid, you'd rather almost endure that to stay with your siblings, Yeah, because right? comf- this yeah. is your comfortable. That was my life. Yeah. You know? Now, we talking about... Did they do like random welfare checks and shit? I can't. They had to have because I uh, the paper trail. The paper says, trail shows yeah. that yes, they did do random paper uh, um, checks, um, and it it says everything. It says you know if it was received or not, or yeah. you know a lot of it I wasn't there for, so I don't know the the grown up part of you know um, yeah. what they did, but I definitely know that uh, they did their homework on stuff. Okay, so let me just, for the audience, uh, when you're poor and your family's poor, poor meaning you live in subsidized housing or you have food stamps before a car, they came in a book, and you have like, you have a lifestyle. And the thing about this lifestyle and with the other people in it, because they're resourceful and they're trying to do things like, some people learn to work the system very well. They learn every excuse. They learn what they can and can't get away with. They get real good at playing the system all the way up to the edge. Now, the system can cut off your benefits, and that's the game, right? The the people receiving, if they're on this, if they're into some shady shit, they learn to stay right inside of that not cutting off my benefits threshold. Welfare checks are one of those. I think you I think you agree to that stuff, like mm-hmm. random welfare checks, but there are limitations and there are there's always moves to make. I remember my cousins, uh people would stay at other people's houses, like the men, because they would, you can't have a man living with you if you're receiving welfare. Like shit like that as a little boy, I remember seeing and just hearing things about shit like that. And I was like, you don't realize till you get older that people learn to play this system and it becomes a lifestyle. So if you're, if you're being raised in this environment, I would assume your mother knew how to play the system. Mm -hmm. Like that's why this was able to go on for so long. And the only time you did get intervention is when somebody actually took the time to care to come pick you up and to go take you away from it. Now, let's talk about what happens 
after they kick the door down and take you away. Now, I think maybe they might have taken you away because you had the only visible signs of abuse. And maybe this paper trail helped prior to that. What's the process for you after? Uh, immediately get put in a foster home. What is a foster home for nobody, oh, for the people who don't know? Foster homes are basically homes that uh, a couple have agreed to take in kids that uh, need a place to stay temporarily until um, longer, you know, until other arrangements are made. Sometimes that's a year. Okay. Sometimes that's just a week. Um, and literally, you're taken as a kid, you're taken away with pretty much nothing. But yeah. maybe we could fit in a garbage bag, in a uh, and that's your belongings. That's it. And uh, I mean, what's crazy is that you how many times this happens all over you know the United States, and no one ever thinks about like, damn, what? There's trauma to that kid. Besides that, yeah, there's trauma to that kid being put into a a home with other troubled kids as well. Yeah, um, and sometimes. You know, those parents of the foster home, they get uh, fortunate for me. That never happened. I was put into a great foster home. But I've heard of instances where, you know, sometimes they're just doing it for the check, too. And yeah, and because they, they, they get cut checks. And uh, thank God that that never happened. I was actually put into a great foster home. I believe I, I, I was in different foster homes. But the one that really stood out was, uh, you know, the Aussies were... He was a fireman. She was a stay-at-home. Yeah. Uh, they dealt with, you know, I, I want to say thousands of foster kids. Yeah. And uh, I have nothing but great memories at that place. Uh, things that I'll, to this day, remember, you know. Yeah. Uh, that's the first place I, you know, I had to learn English. Uh, now, and no one there spoke Spanish. Okay. Now, let's, let's I want to comment on something before we go forward, and that's, the social worker didn't speak Spanish and you didn't speak English. You don't need to do that. That's not necessary when you see a little human in trouble, right? And like right. that's that's probably why she had that job, mm -hmm. you know, and that's point, yeah. why she was good at that. So I did want to comment on that because I've experienced things like that too before. Um, I want to kind of talk about your psychological state going into a completely different state with the with the foster family. So there's I'm sitting in front of like a pile of papers and they're all typed up from a type. I think there's like an actual typewriter. Yeah, like <laughs> probably it was. Yeah. yeah. You're talking about the 80s. Yeah. So this is old and yeah. it's got a highlighter on it. And uh I'm gonna just do my best to read through this. Remember, I didn't graduate high school. So uh, just sounded out, yeah. Yeah, just all sounded out. Yeah. But um for the audience, yeah, I'm sitting in front of like state type papers, and one of the things that fucked with me that gave a summary of your mental state, you know, leaving the house is this. So it's the third paragraph in this report. And it said, I would strongly recommend that Carlos be involved in play therapy. He has been getting mixed messages from people for several years and displays significant anxiety when talking about his family. He needs the opportunity to work out some of his confused thoughts and to overcome some of his fears. Now that, that means you're all fucked up. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Mentally, you're fucked up. Yeah. Um, you're a mess. I was bad. I I I come to find out later on how bad I was, you know. Uh, but living 
you know, seeing things with my eyes, mm. I, I didn't see it like that. Yeah, because you, you have nothing to compare it to. I have no, yeah, I can't look back at it and be like, oh, man, like, yeah. there's no video of it. Yeah. Uh, but I was bad, yeah. Now, let me read something that I think explains your physical state. <clears throat> Same, well, no, this is a different packet. It's actually stamped with the word confidential all over it. And it's from 1984. Uh, again, it's a social worker typing. It said, I asked him if he had any sore places on his body and he indicated he did. I asked him what he called these places and he stated he called them owies. I asked Carlos how he received these owies and he stated, mama hits me. Those are your words. Mama hits me. I pointed out a bruise under his left eye in the left eye of Carlos and asked him how he got this owie. Carlos stated, mama hit me. I asked him why his mama hit me and he stated, I don't know. All right. Um, always is a word a baby uses. I think she's she's typing exactly what you said. So your English is broken. Um, but you you can comprehend what's going on. Yeah. Like you didn't make up a story in your own mind to try to subsidize right. what's happening. Um. You're dealing with the mental and physical abuse that you don't know is abuse. And you come into a completely different situation. Do you remember what the first night was like in the foster home? No. Um, I, I, not the first night. I remember being introduced to them. And they had to call their friend to come over and translate. Okay. Uh, and um, I remember I, I really liked their friend. I, I don't know if maybe it was because it felt comfort that someone was yeah. speaking Spanish. Yeah. But I do remember their friend coming over and being a translator. And I believe I probably looked for her for the next couple of days because I, I had no one to talk to. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, fortunately, you know, being a kid, there's a uh, playing is a is a universal language, you know. Definitely. So I'm sure I did that. But. Um, now that I look back at some of the stuff, man, I don't know how these foster parents could endure some of the stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, you take all these kids with different backgrounds and put them in together and you got to watch them 24 seven. Yeah. And the fucking, the sad, the, the harsh truth about this bro is that a lot of times as a defense mechanism, a victim will turn into a predator. Oh, absolutely. And you could get kids that in yeah. any state of predatory, you know, practice will lash out. Yeah. You know, and like... Absolutely. Do you... So you go straight to the... What is their name again? What is it? Let me see. Who's that? The Aussie, is it Aussie? Yeah. Okay. Aussies. You go straight to their house and you stay in one foster house the whole time? From what I remember, they're the ones that stood out. Um, I do remember hearing that I did uh, do some other foster homes, but that might have just been for like a week or two. You know what I mean? Nothing that I, that I remember. But they were the ones that really stood out. They're the ones that put in a lot over the top. Okay. You know what I mean, over the top. Um, uh, I mean, they probably did everything right in this situation. So you're bouncing back and forth? No. From your mother's house? No, you this? can't go. No, okay. once I'm t once you're taken away, you you can't go back unless um, the court orders that, you know, okay. that things have been met, goals have been met, you know. Yeah. Uh, so 
when you're put into a foster home, it's kind of a secret thing. You're not supposed to be okay. You're the, you're not supposed to the fa- your biological family is not supposed to know anything. In in my case, yeah, yeah, they're not supposed to know where I'm at. Where you know what I mean? Do you remember any of the beginning of the journey through foster care, like any of the early days? Yeah, uh, I remember. So I was little, I was in the foster care for a couple of years. Okay. Um, so within those couple of years, I remember quite a bit, you know what I mean? I, I remember actually a lot of great times. Um, okay. Now what's funny is I can't tell you during these memories or not, if I'm English speaking or Spanish speaking, Yeah. that's what's weird. I can't remember. Right. But to this day, my wife laughs cause you know, when we got together, she's like, what the fuck you like Billy Joel? <laughs> and it was because at that point I would run out of the stuff like that. Right. Eighties. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would run out of the house. Uh, at the foster at the foster house and you know they had this just a little you know everyone had those little radios yeah yeah and i'd always like you know my foster dad would always have the radio on 24 7 right yeah, yeah. even if he's not there and i'd run out and they must have had the top 40s on or something and i'd always hear these billy joel songs yeah or, you know what i mean and i'd always stop and i'd i'd hear it i'm like oh i like that song you know probably not knowing what the hell they're saying yeah yeah but for some reason i like that song and then once the song was over, I was back out in the streets, you know, jumping on bikes. And, okay. You know what I mean? So to this day, it always takes me back to yeah, once tight. I hear these Billy Joel songs, I'm like, oh, man, I, I, it takes me right back to the, the probably the the real, the, 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 the beginning of a lot of good times for me, you know yeah. what I mean? Where I didn't have to worry about a lot of that stuff. Now, before we get into what your life was like in the foster home, in the, is houses, uh, can you give me a bit of background on them, why they're significant outside of being foster parents? Um, you're talking about the Aussies? Yeah. Um, f- from what I remember, I mean, she was um, just probably exactly what I needed at that time. Uh, showed a lot of compassion and, mm-hmm. and patience, I think it was the biggest thing, right? Uh, Kathy just... Man, I, I just remember thinking like, wow, this is, I'm getting one-on-one, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Um, but they showed me a whole world that I've never experienced in my life. They uh, they took me camping for the first time, and yeah. I just remember being like, well, sleeping in bags. What yeah, the yeah, hell, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. They took me cross-country to Maine. Okay. And we had all the states, you know what yeah. I mean? So there's pictures of, and, and that's the other thing that people don't realize is um, at that age, I never had pictures of myself. Oh shit! Because I got taken away, so yeah, I don't yeah. see anything, right? So that's a thing that uh, little things that I think other people take for granted. I didn't know what I looked like as a kid, right? Yeah. Um, and so she took lots of pictures and let me have them when I left yeah. for foster care, you know. Um, but it was just crazy, man. They showed me, you know, lots of love and um, come to find out, it affected them pretty bad once I left too. Really. Yeah, they. I mean, I think, and I remember times when they actually won the Foster Family of the Year award Damn. down there. So it was like a big thing. They got a big old dinner, and they got, you know, they got given everyone dressed up. Yeah, yeah. And they were given awards. Uh, they were man, a, a godsend, I think, to me at that time. Now I ask you that because I had a really good friend growing up um, who was named Johnny. He was a Native American boy, right? He had the long hair and everything, and. uh he knew about his culture. He had a spotted knowledge of it, right? He knew kind of where they came from, Oklahoma, somewhere, this, this, and that. I remember him telling me about it. And when I had seen his mom pick him up one day, 
I'm like, fam, your mom's white. Like, what the yeah. what the hell? And your dad's white. Like, I thought you were native. And he's like, oh, those are my foster parents. My my real mom is on drugs somewhere. And I'm like, oh, whatever. Cool. Yeah. Like, you know, whatever that's like. But I remember going to his house. And before we get into his house, his whole demeanor changed. And he's like, look, don't touch anything. Don't. He just gave me the rundown. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, you just left my house. And we've been up for three days, like, jumping up and down. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, look, don't. if you see candy, don't touch it. Anything in the jars, you can't have. And I'm just like, what the fuck? We walk into his house, and everything is completely clean. It's quiet. There's a woman sitting down watching TV. She's smoking inside the house. And all the kids are, like, cleaning, doing what they're supposed to do. But nobody was, like, happy. Everybody's like super chored up and like yeah. uh he says hello, introduces me, and I'm like, hello, and she doesn't really pay me mind. Come to find out it was her and her brother. They both had houses and they both had like 12 kids between the Jeez. two of them, and they were all native kids, either from the same family or from different families. They specifically went for native kids because there was something that dealt with them that they could get the most money from. And these people were living like ghetto fabulous in Highlands, like because of all these kids and all the kids were wearing like Kmart, you know, the bare minimum, everything. And they're getting checks for these kids. And I remember even before they, they were out of the house, they would, they would build these tough sheds in the back and they would sleep out there with like a little heater, a little fan. I'm like, fam, this is like, third world yeah like what the fuck and they're like oh well they they need like they would be like 16 and they would get put out there because they're two years away from leaving and another kid would get to sleep in the house and i was i remember seeing that and that was my experience with people in the foster care system yeah johnny turned around later on and became an addict and uh he was a thief and like he had gotten out of prison one day and showed up to my house and uh I remember he's like, dude, you're the only person that I could think of when I got out of prison because of the way your mom and your family was. Like, I just wanted to come see it again, like fresh out of prison. And I was like, what the fuck? We're fucked up to each other. Like, he's like, nah, like, this is cool. And he he kicked it for like two days. uh, And he had been stealing the day he got out of prison, cars, everything. And I never once worried about him taking anything from me. He had enough respect. And I knew that, that he, I didn't have to worry about him. I leave him there. He was there for a couple of days and it was it was cool to see him again. It was the last time I ever yeah. seen him. Wow. And I was just like, that shit really affected him. His whole upbringing and situation affected the fuck out of him. Yeah. And it turned him into a, a not yeah. so great person. And that's my only experience with it. Now I'm hearing you go through all this stuff and you're the person you are today. And it's it's wild to me. I think, I hate to say it, but I think you found a lot of strength, fam, yeah. in those, in all that negativity. Yeah. And you, you were able to lead with that. Now- which one of the family, is it the Aussies or the biological family that was involved with the activism stuff? No, that's my adopted family. Okay. That's later. Okay. <clears throat> when do you find out so, that? So just so you know, the Aussies are, are both white. He's a fireman. He's now a lawyer. Okay. She was, you know, a white lady. But so um, that's told, and that's that was totally new to me. Before it was kind of like white people are the bad people. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Because they were the ones that took me away. Yeah. They're the ones that were investigating everything. Your programming tells you that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, this is totally different background of people. Now, what were they involved in activism-wise? Who? The Aussies. Uh, they were just 
you know what to be they were just out there just helping kids okay that's all they were you know from what i remember they had you know bunch of kids before me and then uh you know during me wait a minute did i fuck it up is your biological family so there's biologicals who i was born with okay fosters who took care of me and then i was adopted adopted family okay raised me okay so there's a third family yeah okay and they were the one activists okay yeah when do you get to the third house what age uh about seven okay six or seven okay yeah i think i turned seven there so after being at the foster care for a few years and traveling the the country and stuff and doing all that stuff by now i'm pretty fluent in english okay and um so my foster my family that adopted me the way so they're both um have masters from berkeley okay they have their own two kids biologically they have a boy and a girl they saw a commercial for a, a girl that needed a, a family. And I think it was in the Bay area or something. And they had a strong conversation with each other and said, Hey, what if we, you know, adopt this girl? Yeah. And so that kind of opened up the door to once they found out that the girl was already taken, spoken for, went found a home. They kind of like, well, we already opened the door conversation. Yeah. Well, what if we were to adopt, you know, Somebody. another kid? Yeah. And they obviously had conversations with their kids about it. And so um, they were like open to it, I guess, you know, like, yeah, "Yeah, I mean, why not? Right. And so, uh, and and in my uh, adopted family, my dad is Mexican, he's Chicano from LA. Okay. And then my mom was white. And uh, so they opened up that conversation. I guess what you do at that point is you reach out and, you know, get a social worker on your side, kind of like a realtor, right? Okay. Yeah. Then they speak to each other. They speak to other social workers. Kind of like a realtor. Go ahead, and uh, they, you know what I mean? You you look to see, you know, what's out there because you're not going to do it yourself. You yeah, can't, yeah. You know, they don't have. Yeah. So they reach out and they guess come to find out. They're like, hey, well, there's this boy in Santa Barbara. Yeah. And I think the what, what clicked with that was like, well, mom, my mom's from Santa Barbara, the one that raised me, right? Yeah, yeah. And she's looking and she goes, oh, man, this kid's born in the same hospital as me. Oh, shit. And same hospital as her mom. Yeah. So that was kind of like, maybe this is a sign, right? Yeah. So I, uh, they did, you know, a little bit of their homework. And then they were like, man, though, this kid's kind of fucked up. Yeah, he has a lot of issues, right? Yeah. But I guess I, I think what they believe was, oh, I mean, as long as it's not drug related, you know, yeah, yeah. I can do long term stuff, too. So they decided to meet up. And I remember that day they came out to Santa Barbara. We met at a park. And I remember thinking, like, who are they? Why, why am I meeting up with these people? Right? Yeah. You know what I mean? So we had a good day at the park. I met my soon-to-be siblings. Everything was was cool, whatever. <laughs> and then uh, at that, I, I don't know if this is normally how it works, but then I remember, you know, being talked to and saying, hey, they want to have you for, you know, summer. All right. Well, I guess, yeah. Yeah. Right? So I remember they came up and they got they uh, they got me in King City, which was supposed to be halfway pretty much between Santa Barbara and Berkeley, where they lived. Now, both of them are from Southern California mm-hmm. originally, but because they both went to Cal, met at Cal Berkeley, they ended up staying in Berkeley, had a house there. So I came home to Berkeley, stayed there, and I guess things started working out, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I now that I look at it, I'm like, how the hell do you think that was working out? Because I was doing bad shit, right? At the age of six or seven. 
I mean, I'm talking about like spreading feces on the walls. Damn, son. And just like doing whatever, you know what I mean? Like yeah. bad stuff. Like who, uh, who could take that, right? Yeah. Well, I, I guess come to find out later on by, you know, psychologists or whatever, they're psychiatric people that that's a kind of a way to test the waters to yeah. see are these because I was being used to, you know, getting taken here and could put there. Yeah. And then, you know, from other foster families to this, you know what I mean? Yeah, you're trying to get it over with. If it's going to happen. Yeah, if it's going to happen, yeah. let it happen. But I didn't know that. I didn't yeah. know that that's how your, your yeah. mind works. So I would do things and almost blatantly, I think, just staring at them, just like, yeah. are you going to do anything about this? And then, um, so I, they ended up saying, let's do it. Let's just take, it's all or nothing. Where You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, come to find out later on, which to me blew blew me away. My mom said, uh, oh, there was a point in when you were probably like second or third grade where I looked at your dad and I said, I can't do this. Yeah. Can't do this anymore. He's, what are we going to do? This kid is going to be bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. And my dad was just like, doesn't matter. We're in it. So that kind of changed my look at my dad. Like, holy crap. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, um, Definitely went through years of uh, um, uh, seeing a psych, psych, a psychiatrist as a, as a child. Yeah. And uh, I guess, I, I mean, I would go like two days a week, you know, yeah. to every day after school. Like there was every week after school, I'd ride my bike, you know, back back in the day, you know, we would ride miles, right? No, yeah, yeah. no problem. I would ride a mile on appointment and uh, it was nothing. It was right there in Berkeley. And... Um, you know, things were still, I was still kind of, you know, bad, but then I kind of found sports and okay. come to find out I was pretty good at sports. But, uh, and a lot of the stuff I'm not here, I, I don't find out till later on, but my mom said there was a point where I, you know, talked to a psych, a psychiatrist and I said, I'm really worried about this kid though. Yeah. You know, we're, cause they were, there was a point where they, we were picking up and going, moving because I was so bad in that area. Oh shit, yeah. And the psych and she's like, you know, should we find someone else at, at our new location? And the lady was lady or I forget. And she goes, You know what? To be honest with you, she goes, I honestly don't think you have anything to worry about. And to me, it's kind of like, damn, how do they know this stuff? Right. Yeah, yeah. And she's just like, No, she goes, I think that he has more good going on than bad. He's gonna always test you, you know what I mean? Yeah. But uh I didn't even find that out till about a year or two ago to this day, crazy, you know what yeah. I mean? Like a four in my forties. Yeah. That the psychiatrist told my my mom, like, you don't have anything to worry about. Just let it happen. Things are going to happen just like any other kid. But uh, I think you'll be all right. So, now, what year did you get to the Berkeley family? Uh, year? I was probably like 87. And they went to Berkeley during the mid late 70s. Yeah. Correct? They were in Berkeley. So they went in Berkeley um, and... Like I said, they had their own two kids. My dad was from San Fernando. My mom was from Santa Barbara. Yeah. Uh, but actually, before that, she moved to Jackson. So they met at Berkeley. And um, they were both, you know, have masters. And then they started their own kids, their own family and house. And, you know. So one thing that's significant to that time frame in that place is the civil rights movement is going on all over all the country. Over, yeah. Specifically, though. Berkeley and Sacramento became these two hubs for, hubs for mm -hmm. Chicano activism. Yeah. And a lot of it came out like, even if you get on YouTube and talk about, I think it's the occupation of Alcatraz, mm -hmm. the natives did it too. Like it was mm -hmm. just, it was cracking in the yeah. Bay. And like Berkeley was one of those hotspots for stuff like that. 
So I think you accidentally got into that mix through them. Yeah. And when you had told me about they were activists and stuff, I was like, that that occurred to me. Like, I wonder what year that was and if they're if they're even in that mix, like if they right. come from that time. It sounds like they did. I think it definitely was meant to be, right? Yeah. Because my dad was, uh, he was big in like Civil War history, Chicano yeah. history. He actually wrote a book about Chicano history, right? Really? Yeah. And uh, to, honestly, he's the smartest man I ever know. Right? You no. know what the book's called? No, he has, he, he never, so it's, my wife has seen it. It's like, you know, this thick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just wasn't, uh, I think at one point he was going to have it published, just mm-hmm. decided to, why, you know, it yeah. was just something that he wanted to do. Okay. So he still has it. But um, his, his side of the family is rich in the, the Chicano culture. Yeah. Uh, everything from the marching to um, uh, just Chicano history, right? I mean, yes. Yeah. And so my family on, like I said, his side, you're talking everyone is either Stanford or Berkeley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they that side of the family produced a lot of like professors yeah yeah you know i have a professor and uh they go that's a teach that uh was ann arbor in michigan okay i have um uh one that obviously that taught at usc but he was from stanford my aunt went to stanford uh everyone is just from california uh the the hard schools to get into you know what i mean and uh i mean even my my sister that um I was raised with, she, she got a full ride at Berkeley. Um, so, I mean, there was a lot of smart people in our family. You know, then, yeah, yeah. then here comes this little bicep kid. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's a little more street smart than anything. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I just, I, Trying that, to get wasn't, active. that wasn't my, yeah, that wasn't my, my calling. You yeah. know what I mean? Uh, but I definitely ended up doing my own thing. And, uh, but I always was, uh, I was always very curious about, because my dad was always open about a lot of the stuff like, you know, that's going yeah. on in the world for, for, you know, the Chicanos. And I'd always ask him different questions and he he, was, he knew everything. It seemed yeah. Like. When you see, when I research all the all the footage that I can from that time, from the Chicano moratorium all the way to fucking the, the Rose strikes that sparked Cesar strikes. Like just, yeah. you, you just, there's so much information, oh, yeah. so much going on in so many different places. And like. When you look at the video footage, though, it's 90% young people who were students who were in tuned yeah. to what, not only why right, right then and there was important, but the repercussions of what would happen if they allowed these things to go through. Like, yeah. it's crazy that most of those people are, are, are younger than me that when they got into the activism yeah. game. And it's like that whole time was fired up about it. And you could see it. It was real. Um and it was led and 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 maintained. The momentum was by students. Yeah. So the fact that I had to drive. Yeah. So the fact that your mom and dad was deeply rooted and it makes perfect sense. Yeah. What do you remember going to anything that was significant to like Chicano activism with them as a kid? Um. Like anything that stands out. I mean, we would. So my dad, when he graduated, he he became a history teacher. Okay. So we went to a lot of things. Uh, a lot of it had to do with like indigenous people. You know what I mean? Like they took me to, you know, um, we would go also uh, camping all over the, the country. Yeah. So we would go to like um, uh, Wyoming, Cody, Wyoming, yeah. and, uh, North Dakota, South Dakota, all that yeah. stuff and check out, you know, plus uh, was a uh, Custer's Last Stand. Yeah. You know, and all these things. And 
I think that was big because that definitely helped me. I, I ended up loving history because of it. Yeah. You know, you kind of, you know, these schools teach one thing, but when you're there, you kind of, and being brown, you kind of hear the other stuff. Yeah. You know? Maybe Custer wasn't a hero. Yeah. You definitely know I mean? wasn't. Yeah. And uh, you, you hear all these other things. And so, uh, you know, being from LA, he knew a lot about all that stuff. The you know, Chavez Ravine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, all the stuff that people don't talk about really until that, I think it's coming out a lot more now. You know, it is. People are more willing to just say what actually happened. Yeah, there was a. I think I heard it on Pawn Stars, the show that where they come in and they sell things yeah. at the pawn shop. Yeah. I thought you said porn stars. No, for a sir. No, sir. There's children in the room. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking uh, a dude that brought a, a something, and he goes, "Yeah, the battle at, at Wounded Knee," uh-huh. and the the Pawn Stars guy Rick was like, "You mean the massacre?" Yeah, at Wounded Knee, it's like, oh shit, they're even letting it happen on TV now, right? Because that wouldn't have stood yeah. beforehand. The yeah. narrative didn't fit it. Now that's, I think, one of the good things about the whole woke culture that we're in right now is some shit is cool, some yeah. shit ain't cool though. But right, it, yeah. But anyways, now you say cool, though, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you're right because uh, I think it. I think it's important that uh, we look at the other side of things as well, Definitely. as far as like history. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Uh, you know, you come to find out, yeah, that was more of a. A sl- like you said, all of it was almost, a almost like slaughter. A, yeah. uh, what do you call it now? Nowadays, uh, uh, mass shooting. No, like when when people want to die by the police. Oh, you know what I mean, it's yeah. kind of like one of those where these guys, you're gonna die by these Indians. Yeah, might as well. They and they just let all their guys die. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's so, fucking crazy, man. Yeah, it's, it's not all about the the Western movies. No, and even like you listen, I listened to a book called "The People's History of America." And it's fucked up. It makes yeah. it makes me upset. Like yeah. I stopped listening to it because it would ruin my day. But yeah. it's necessary to hear those things. Absolutely. It, there comes a point to where, you know, white people stop just going after brown people and start going after poor white people too. And it yeah. all becomes just capitalism, yeah. basically. Yeah. So where do you go from being, from testing the mud of your new mom and dad to... Being a part of the family to the new mom and dad, what's what's that transition like? Do you remember it? Um, I remember being, I was the black sheep by far. Okay. So having these two parents that are very well educated and their two kids are very well educated. Uh-huh. And then I came in and I'm just like a bull in a china shop. Yeah. I remember like they they would read to their kids, right? Before me. Yeah. And they would read The Hobbit. All this other stuff, right? And man, I'm a, I could not sit still. I would just be like flopping around, and yeah. they'd want to read to me. And I'm like, "Can I go now? Can I go?" Yeah, right? Yeah. And they're finally like, "Yeah, just go." Yeah. And they, I think they sooner realize like he's he has to be out. Like what we for, what we want from now for our kids is just go ride your bike for you know. Yeah, yeah. I was probably riding like my, ten miles. You yeah, know yeah. I mean? And I would. You know, it's kind of like that. What we all hear about that old school, where you know, I won't be back till the lights the come head, on. The, yeah. car, the, the lights come on, and uh, you know, my I'm telling my parents now, now because now I'm older and I can't get in trouble for it. But I'm like, yeah, I used to ride to Oakland. Oh shit! On a bike, you know. Yeah. What I mean? uh, you know, I'd be what ten years old, ten, eleven, and me and my homies would just ride to Oakland. Uh, we did bad things as well, though. I mean, we'd be robbing other kids, and we'd take their money, and we'd have cops chasing us i did a lot of bad things you know what i mean and that was led to one of them being the final straw for us in berkeley they finally just said 
all right, we got to get this kid out of this environment because maybe it's not, you know, and, and at that point they only had one kid that already graduated high school. So he was off in LA doing okay. his thing. And then uh, what's crazy is I actually had a sister that, you know, the, like I said, their biological, uh, their biological daughter, uh, she started dealing with stuff and she became a runaway. Oh shit. So I became at one point the kind of like the link between that, like she would call the house yeah. and I would answer and she'd talk to me. Yeah. But if they answered, she would hang up. So I was kind of, so I was kind of the link between them. Right. Yeah. And I don't know what happened later on throughout the years, but like now we don't even talk, but she'll talk to them. Yeah. And she swears that me being, uh, adopted in the family that I was the reason why everything oh, went yeah. down, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, he got all, he got spoiled. He got the cereal that he wanted. And I was like, bro, are you serious? We were all were raised in the same environment. So I think the difference is, and I, and I really believe this is, I was raised by them into a house that had structure, yeah. right? They, uh, uh, Mom and dad, you have to be home by a certain time. You have to get, you know, decent grades. And that's what I needed. Yeah, yeah. You come from, you know, me being where I was. Yeah. I didn't have structure. Yeah. So I'll take that. I was all, help. yeah, I'll be home. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, you didn't have to tell me twice. I was always, my parents would always be like, wow, like, you're 10 minutes early. That's, make me, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. little did I know it. I was, you know, 10 miles away. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. But the fact is that I I think I, th- that th- I thrived under that yeah. uh, uh, discipline, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, they put me in sports. I started loving that, you know? Um, became really, I, I love sports. You know, I started playing basketball and, and uh, um, baseball were my two two things. And then uh, I was still, I mean, I still did, you know, things that other 10, 11 year old kids wouldn't do. And that's what forced them to finally pick up and sell the house and move. But um, that was probably the best decision that they did. And when I think about it later on in life, I actually think about maybe part of one of the reasons why I'm so social and I can speak with all different types of people is because I was born in an all Mexican environment. Yeah. Moved to Berkeley, which was all black at mm-hmm. that time. My okay. neighborhood was all black. So all my friends were black. Yeah. Then picked up and moved to Jackson, which was all white. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like I adapted wherever I went. Yeah. I learned, uh, you know what? It doesn't matter what you look like. I, yeah. People, if you're cool, people are going to accept you, right? Didn't have Definitely. to fit. Didn't, I never tried to do the whole, you know, fitting in thing. I mean, I mean I'm mean, i sure there was probably little things that happened, but, you know, you can't try to stand out too much and, you know what I mean, try to get in. Where does, uh, that's big to pick up, sell the home, relocate for a foster, for a foster kid. Yeah. I don't know if I could do that. But see, I don't think they looked at me as a foster. I know that's what I was gonna say. Yeah. Like they they just rolled into you being yeah, one kid. of theirs, yeah. and that's that's extraordinary. I think uh, I think that's like a miracle, bro. And I think that if you think uh, I was one hundred percent opposite of them, yeah, they were very uh, in the books, and uh, you know, not to be like that, but you know, not um, athletic, yeah. right? And then all of a sudden I have this kid that just wants to ride yeah, yeah. and, you know, fight and run around and play baseball and basketball and was popular with the girls. And yeah. they weren't used to that. Right. Their son wasn't like that. Their daughter wasn't like that. Yeah. And now they're having to, they're also having to adjust and adapt yeah. to someone that's, that that's not their, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I, and I kind of give them kudos for that because, you know, 
that I was nothing like them. What are you dressing like at this time in your life when you're with them? What kind of clothes are you wearing? Are you choloed out or are you fucking? No, I'm just wearing jeans. And, you know, you know what I used to like uh, from what I remember, but I don't know exactly as long with them. But remember jammers? Those are those knee highs, knee high shorts, all kind of crazy colors and stuff. I remember at one point wearing those and wife beaters all the time. Okay. And then when I went with them, uh, I pretty much just dressed the same. Th- nothing that stood out, right? I was always wearing just shorts. Yeah, yeah. Shorts and tank tops and shirt and shirts. Um, but, I mean, I wasn't like freaking wearing bell bottoms or nothing. and <laughs> Birkenstocks. What were you doing in Oakland when you're jamming to Oakland and you're – you're experiencing a whole different side of fucking life oh, yeah. right out there. Yeah. What the what are you doing out there all day? What what kind of activities are you getting into at this age? We so we had a a group of us that so let's just hit say this. I went I went to school in Berkeley up at Cragmont. It was up in the hills. We got bussed in. But I was so bad that I pretty much almost on the verge of getting kicked out of public school. Yeah. So my parents put me into a private school called St. Joseph's. I think little did they know St. Joseph's was just a school of fuck ups. <laughs> yeah. so, now, yeah. so now I'm like, cool, right? Yeah, yeah. So all my friends were all bad kids, yeah, yeah. right? And so we would just ride around and we'd get on our bikes or other people's bikes and yeah, yeah. we would just be riding. And we, we knew, so we had a couple friends. I guess they weren't really friends, but we, we knew some kids that had money and we'd always take their money. Yeah. And uh, we'd let them ride with us, all right? Yeah. And I remember, that was a, I mean, that was a big culture difference because we'd be riding to Oakland and, you know, my kids are used to hearing some of this stuff, but we'd drive right by like prostitutes and yeah, stuff, yeah. right? Yeah. And I remember thinking like, what the heck? Like, why are they out here like this, you know? Yeah. And we'd be riding out there to, uh, um, I forget all the names of the streets, but, you know, we would, we live close to San Pablo Avenue. Okay. University in San Pablo. So we would just take Santa Pablo all the way down in, a, in Oakland, ride around. We we had friends at school that owned their parents owned Mexican restaurants here okay. or there. So we would just stop by and do whatever we wanted, yeah, right? Yeah. And go. And that was all my free time. I remember I used to also have to ride my bike by myself to like my baseball practices, mm-hmm. my you know my games, some of them. Um, so I had a just, you know what? I think at that time in my life, I was just on my bike wherever I yeah. go. So I remember a time when my older brother was at home and he used to work at this place and he would keep all his money in this box that he had hidden. <laughs> yeah. And I was always going in there and I'd count what he had and then I'd take a 20, right? Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and, uh, and then I'd take off and I'd, you know, we're drinking and eating Slurpees all day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So I always had money on me. You know what I mean? It was crazy. And I knew he knew, but he just wasn't tripping. Wasn't tripping. I, yeah. I was like his little kind of rider. Like he he had this car and he's the one that got me into like Beastie Boys and Too Short. Because back then you're talking Too Short was brand new on the scene. Yeah. And I used to be able to turn on the TV in Berkeley to a local channels and watch little crappy homemade videos of Too Short on yeah. TV. You know what I mean? And, That's wild. Uh, we too short in the uh, digital underground. All yeah, them yeah. were locals, you know. Yeah, what I mean? yeah. But I remember thinking I was wild. Now that I think about, it. I remember coming home from church one day and the Humpty the Humpty uh, song was on the radio, and I told my mom, "Turn this up." I go, "This is my song right here." <laughs> so she's listening to it. So you're talking about this, you know, white lady from you know, with a master, just looking <laughs> at this little brown kid like you can't be listening to this yeah. stuff. I'm like, yeah, I listen to it all the time, and she's like, "Well, man." 
uh, kids are nuts. You know what I mean? Get busy in a Burger King bathroom. I'm, like, I'm over there singing the lyrics. You know what I mean? <laughs> they had to learn to be like, fuck it, dog. I think so. Like, they learned that they early to. on with you. Like, you know what? Fuck it, dog. There he is. That's him. So their kids <laughs> were very quiet, disciplined. And I remember one of my favorite movies was Old Yeller. Okay. And my brother in the backyard, I was telling my daughter about this. My brother was messing with my dog. They, my parents got me a dog. Mm-hmm. And one day he was out there and he was messing with the dog. And I remember I grabbed a baseball bat. I said, leave my dog alone. Yeah. And he just kept messing. But he honestly, he wasn't being crazy. He was just like messing with it. Yeah, right? yeah. Trying to kind of piss me off. I cracked him in the head with oh, that bat. fuck. So that's something new to them. They yeah, weren't used violence. to violence. Yeah, I was yeah. violent. You know what I mean? I hit him in the head. He he took off and went running. And I'm calling him cuss words. Yeah. And I'm just like, and they're and so you're same thing. You're they're probably like, dog, man, yeah. what is this fool doing? You know yeah. what I mean? I used to call him the F word all the time. You know what I mean? <laughs> and they're like, he's like, you can't call me that. Yeah. What are you gonna do? Tell them all? <laughs> I mean it. Yeah, he would. You come from a completely different lifestyle, bro. And that's oh yeah. That's so when you talk about riding your bike 10 miles, like that's when the kid gets to be an adult. Fuck them red lights, yeah. you know. Fuck everybody in their car. Like you just learn to cuss and like we did it too. Like yeah. and that shit was tight. And it's like you just hop on your bikes, mob through South Sack, you know? Yeah. With, and you steal whatever you feel like stealing, stopping somebody's front yard, drink from the we, water hose. We like, would hustle, bro. Yeah. There was like there was an old black man down the street that had a cool guy, man. And for some reason he really liked me. And he was a pretty fat dude. So I think he just didn't want to go to the store. Yeah, yeah. And his name was Sonny. And he'd be like, hey, what's up? He had raspy voice. Hey, what's up, man? And this was back in the time when he could give me 20 bucks yeah. and say, I need hamburger meat. What a note. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah hamburger meat and cigarettes and, yeah. and blah, blah, blah. And you can keep the change. Yeah. And I'd be like, oh, man. I'm, I'm going right to steal back. all of it. Yeah. <laughs> keep no, he would just let me have it. Oh, okay. So, you know what I mean? He'd t- $10 worth of stuff yeah, yeah. and then I'd keep the rest. So, I'd always... Once you once once you're a kid, you'd always stop at his house. Like, hey, what's going on, Sonny? You need anything? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm good right now. Or yeah, yeah. So it just that's the kind of stuff that fueled all the my yeah. entertainment. Yeah, we had uh, our family. You may or may not know this, but uh, family's always been heavily into fireworks. Oh, fireworks yeah. that aren't allowed in California. Oh yeah, yeah. So uh, we call those the good ones. Yeah, the good ones. So we would come home before July Fourth, like in late. Uh, May or whatever, and there'd be bricks on the table, bricks of firecrackers. It's a compressed pack right. of fucking hell of firecrackers, and like we'd be like, "Oh, you went to go see so and so, you know, down at the at the barbershop or whatever," and I'd be a cousin, and they'd be like, "Yeah, you need to get this much for this brick to cover the cost of it, and then the rest is all you." And like, what they would do is they'd tell us a price like okay there's a hundred in here you need to get a dollar a pack or 50 cents a pack you know you double your money whatever right. and they taught us how to hustle and we'd throw these things in our backpacks right around the kids like hey you want to buy this brick of firecracker or you want to buy some of these firecrackers how much are they oh they're 50 cents a pack whatever you cross a certain street and the houses get a little bit nice the price goes up yeah for the firecrackers yeah. you know what i'm saying and you just yeah. you just figure out how to make a move and and just as a kid yeah so as an adult you do the same thing i'm sure you do it with car parts car, whatever the yeah, fuck you know yeah. that shit that you learn in the street that's super valuable and it's cool to learn it like that yeah. you know you just learn it as yeah. you go yeah now where does the car culture come into play when do you start getting into like low riders um so my family that raised me right we don't well, like i said we we would still go back to la a lot okay because my dad's from la and my mom's you know 
uh, we have all our family down there. So we would always be in LA if, you know, summers, uh, just random weekends. And that's where I really start seeing, you know, the, the, the influence of low riders down there, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then I'd come back up and wasn't too much up in Berkeley or, you know, Jackson yeah. and stuff, but, um, it, it's something that you always like you always see Definitely, but I, yeah. like i told you before i never thought i'd be part of it like that you yeah, know? yeah. Uh, i always had different things going on in my mind and you know uh, i wasn't raised in it yeah, right? yeah. I, I you know i'm already have what th- i'm on my third family now yeah yeah yeah. so you know what i mean i wasn't fortunate <laughs> enough to to be you know to be raised in that nobody but, was wrenching in any of those families not yet. Know, man it was more about books or writing you know what i mean writing. yeah so so you get exp- you've seen it. It's always been around. Yeah. When do you make? Remind me how you get your. F- no, I remember the first car. Um. When do you just? But like, you know what? I'm getting off track. I better stick to my plan. Well, I remember the first time where it got to a point where I'm like, I have to have these pictures in my room. You know, I took yeah, my yeah. own photos, had them developed. And I'm like, uh, forever. I mean, if I were to see those uh, Suburbans again, I would be like, man, those, I fell in love with these Suburbans yeah. back in the day and had them, you know, put up on my wall. And I always liked, I was like, man, these things are ridiculous, right? So you identified with it. Thank you for absolutely. saving my podcast. Yeah, You absolutely. identified with it. Absolutely. I, I, I realized, uh, you know, I think it was easier for me to realize when I'm, you know, I don't know if. If it's correct, but you know, you're in an all Mexican neighborhood, you're Mexican, yeah. and you see your people yeah. everywhere with these cars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It kind of was like, this is that's our thing. This is our thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? This is our thing. Uh, I'm sure if I was raised in Oakland, you know, and I saw the guys with the, you know, different types of vehicles, you yeah, because they don't do the low riding as much and no different types of rides. Yeah, right? yeah. They were always in the, you know, 5.0s and yeah. Camaros and something with some muscle. Yeah. So I'm sure I would have adapted to my environment in that case. Yeah. But because I've always known where I came from and yeah. I've always had family that kind of reminded me, you know, this is, this is us, uh, you know, it, that's what I always, okay. All right. That's, that's, that's us right there. Now, isn't there a point, I remember your wife had said something about you reconnecting with your biological siblings at some point. Yeah. So that was a crazy incident. So. I'm in high school and um, I'm in high school. I had a girlfriend. So I was a junior and then a girlfriend that was a senior at the time. And so all throughout my life, no one knew I was adopted ever. No one ever knew. So um, if we became friends at 12, you had no idea. If we became friends at 15, you had no idea. People just assumed, you know, me and my dad actually look similar. You know what I mean? So uh, people just assumed that was my family. Um, and, uh, one girlfriend that I had that I just, something about, I just felt like, you know, comfortable with her knowing, and we're staying, you know, back in the day, you have that long cord. Yeah. 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 Get comfortable and you're talking and he's talking about on a phone. It used to be attached to the wall called a landline. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And I was talking to her and, uh, her name was Kim and, uh, Pretty much, we just broke it down. I told her, hey, check this out. You want to hear something crazy? Yeah. And I told her, and you know, she's staying up, like, kind of, you know, lightweight crying. Just like, what? Why didn't you tell anybody? I'm like, that's just, it's not something that I talk about. And so there's a reason for that happening. 
And I never realized it till later on. There was a reason. So she's a senior. I'm a junior. She's the only one that knew. That was it. A year later, after she graduated from being a senior, she ended up moving to Texas. And uh, now I'm a senior. It's right before finals. And she hit me up on the phone randomly. And this is how I talk about it. It's just crazy. Everything's meant for, for a reason. Yeah. She hit me up and she said, hey, I'm really thinking about uh, coming back to California. I'm thinking about going to go check out the schools in Santa Barbara. She goes, you want to go? Sure, I'd love to go, you know. But it's just weird. Like, why would she have picked me to yeah. go right there, right? Why yeah. would the only person that I told want to do this trip? So I never you know, said that, but I'm just like, yeah, I'd love to go, whatever. So it was during finals, but I wasn't going to miss anything. So my parents like, yeah, you know, you're doing good. Go for it, whatever. Yeah. So we shot out there from, you know, Jackson. She came, picked me up. We're in this big Bronco and we're jamming out there. And as we get closer on the one-on-one, I remember like, hey, let me drive, you know, I'll yeah, take yeah. over. You look tired, whatever. So she's like, yeah, cool. So we're driving. And right as we're getting into Galita, um, I said, hey, let me turn off onto these streets. I want to check some something out. Yeah. So she's, like I said, she's the only person I can be really open to about all everything. Yeah, yeah. So as we're driving down the streets, I'm telling her, I go, dude, I remember this. I remember all this. I remember, oh, this shit. is crazy, right? Yeah. So you're talking about I'm 18 years old because I, I was senior, I was 18. And I'm looking back at stuff from when I was four, five, and six, right? So mm-hmm. you're talking about a good, you know, dozen years or yeah, something, yeah. whatever. And, uh, as we're driving, we stop at this light and I look to the left and I see a car dealership. But I remember I used to be able to see that car dealership from my window. Oh, shit. So I look to the left and there's a building there covering the projects now. Yeah. But I know the projects are there. So I make a left and I go into the projects and um, we're sitting there and I'm like, I'm telling her, I go, dude, this is where we used to live. Yeah, I, go, yeah. I used to live here. So she's like, no way. I go, yeah. I go, I used to be able to see that dealership from my window. So we go in the projects and we happen to park right in the middle. And there's big grassy areas between each group of buildings. Yeah. So we're sitting there on a bench. And um, so let's say where I'm at is a bench. And then both here are, are, are rows of housing. Yeah. And from where I'm sitting at, I could, I'm pointing. I go, I, I remember we used to move and we used to live in that one right there. Yeah. But we moved to this one right here. Yeah. So she's like, man, how do you remember this? I go, I, I have no idea, yeah. but it's all coming back. At the same time, oh, just a, just a heads up, that girl, Kim, she's a white girl. Okay. Never been involved in, you know, she's a country girl. Yeah. So as we're sitting there, one of the dudes comes out of the, one of the apartments, choloed out, right? Yeah. Wife beater, all tatted up. And as her and I are sitting there, she's nudging me. She goes, hey, look at that guy. He looks, he looks like you. I go, what? You race his ass, right? <laughs> no, I don't. But she's like, yeah, you you never know, right? And I'm like, nah. So he kind of did a, a second glance at me like, who the fuck is this dude? Yeah, yeah. So then I come like, oh, it's going to be a, a situation a if, problem, I don't, if I don't say something. To him. So I get up and I tell her to stay there. And I get up and I'm walking. And I say, like, hey, what's up, bro? You know, hey. Um, so I'm thinking like, what am I going to say, right? Yeah. We're just over there chilling, right? And I said, fine. I was like, hey, um, hey, you know. You happen to know, and I remember my last name. Yeah, yeah. And I remember my brother. So I was like, "Hey, you, you know a dude named uh, Juan Pablo uh, Ramirez?" And then he's like, "Who, the, who the fuck are you?" Yeah. Why? And I was like, "No, no I'm just, you know, kind of this all off the whim." Yeah. 
I was like, no, nah, no, nah, just, you know, does he still live here? Blah, blah, blah. He's like, who the fuck are you going to meet? Blah, blah, blah. Well, you, you want, you want, you know, you want me to talk to him or something yeah. or what? So finally I'm like, <clears throat> I had to blurt it out. I was like, nah, I think that's my brother, you know? Yeah. And so the dude looks at me. He's like, what the fuck? And then he goes. <laughs> he, he just goes, came outside and he's all. Yeah. Go and ahead, go and ahead. he goes, and then he, he said something that threw me off. He goes, you're Charlie? Oh, and then fuck. I remember sitting there thinking, I'm like, who the fuck is Charlie? And then it clicked. I wasn't, I, I haven't been called Charlie since I was five. Yeah. So when he said, are you Charlie? I was like, oh, fuck. I go, you know what? I am Charlie. Yeah. So then this dude, he's like, are you always, he starts shaking and he honestly, he starts, he starts crying. Like, yeah. Bro. He goes, you and me were best friends as little kids, bro. He goes, we used to run around this place. He goes, your family's been looking for you forever, bro. Oh, fuck. And so I'm sitting there. I'm like, what the fuck's happening, right? This is crazy. Like, yeah. are you serious? Like, all this just happened just out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. So he's like, hey, yeah, hold on. Let me go get him. I go, hold on, hold on, hold on, bro. I go, this, this isn't what, what I meant, right? So he, I go, so he still lives here? He goes, bro, I just saw him a couple hours ago. And I was like, oh, so you're, you're, we're talking about this is probably like noon, right? Yeah. It's probably about noon. And so I was like, oh, fuck. I go, well, hold on, bro. Hold on. I, I just want to talk to him, no one else. He goes, yeah, 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 hold on. And so he's kind of still crying, like, bro. He goes, like, you don't remember. We, yeah. were, we were little running around. He's tripping. He's tripping out. And so then I go back to the girl, and I sit down, and she goes, what happened? I go, dude, I go, my family <laughs> still lives called there. called it. <laughs> yeah. I go, my family still lives there. And she goes, are you serious? And I go, yeah. So where we're sitting at, like I said, he came out of this apartment. He's going to that apartment. Yeah, yeah. He can't, I can't see who's opening the door, but I could see him talking to somebody. So as we're sitting there, you know, he knocks on the door, kind of like pounds it, right? Yeah. Someone opens it and he's pointing to me and I'm like, oh, fuck, bro. Like, what the fuck's going on? Like, I, this is not what we, we literally went down there and look at colleges, right? Yeah. So I see this dude poke his head out and look over at me and just kind of shakes his head like, nah. And meanwhile, what he's telling him is no fool. He goes, he looks just like JC, which is my little brother. Yeah. He goes, he looks just like JC. He goes, that's Charlie. Charlie's back. So my brother sticks his head back out and I'm looking at him like, I can't be on. This motherfucker looks Samoan. Right? Yeah, yeah. He does. He's big old, looks Samoan. So then he kind of steps out and he looks over at me and he calls me over. And then uh, uh, I was like, fuck. So I get up and we start walking. I'm holding that girl's hand. And as we're going closer, she's squeezing it. She's like, what the fuck? This is really happening. Like, yeah, and it's your fault, fool. <laughs> right? <laughs> you brought me here, motherfucker. So she's starting to cry. As I get closer, my brother's starting to tear up. That yeah. dude's tearing up. I'm just kind of like, this is kind of surreal. Well, and, and let's go back to just for a second. I'm not, a, I don't cry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, my parents thought there was something wrong with me growing yeah. up because I learned to to adapt off. i shut it off yeah. so even now i'm not i'm just walking through and i'm just like everyone's kind of tripping out on everything and i'm just kind of like going through the, the motions like all right and as we get closer my brother goes fuck he realizes yeah this is my brother yeah so he gives me a big hug and we're tripping out and he's like bro come in i go oh, no i'm good bro yeah yeah he goes no, no 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 one's here but me and my daughter i said all right so we go inside the the place which kind of hits me a different ways. Still not nothing like that, but I'm just kind of taking it all in. And as we walk in, I haven't been in this place since I was four. Yeah. I remember those stairs, being taken up those stairs. Yeah. I remember that bathroom down here. I remember this, right? But I'm keeping it all to myself. As I walk in, there's a table, a low coffee table, 
And on it is like a shrine of me. What right? the fuck? There's a picture of me when I was had to have been third grade. Yeah. With candles all around it. And I'm thinking, how the fuck did they get that picture of me? Because yeah. I was taken way before that. And I'm kind of just going through my mind, like, what the fuck? And he's talking, everyone's talking. And I'm just kind of just taking it all in, like, damn, this is crazy. I can't believe I'm in here. And so we're kind of just, you know, I'm like, yeah, bro, that's crazy, blah, blah, blah. And I'm looking, I'm trying to figure out how they got that picture of me. And I remember now, then a little bit after, I was like, you know, it's almost like uh, when when you're taken under those circumstances, they can't know anything about you. They can't know where you live, your last name, anything. So I do remember a point in my life where, it was, we were asked to visit okay if they want they got a picture of us and my parents said yeah as long as okay. there's no nothing in it. so that's how they got that right so i'm still still talking to him and he's and and uh just happening real fast so finally after a little bit of small talk you know i said hey uh we'll come back bro we'll come back later on he goes no you promise i go yeah we're here we're here yeah. for the weekend whatever he goes all right cool cool and i think it was a monday because i was missing school already so we're here for a couple of days whatever so he goes all right so we take off and now our day is shot. We're just thinking about this the whole day. We're like, yeah, what the fuck? we go to the beach and it's good and bad. I'm just like, dude, what do we do from here? Right. So we go back about three o'clock. Meanwhile, he's racing around town, picking up my siblings. Like Charlie's back. Charlie's oh, back. Shit. Charlie's yeah. back. So we go back to the projects about three o'clock and the whole projects is out. Their trip. So, you know, and you, and you, you got to think it's uh, back in the day. People that lived in the projects, they live there for, they stay there. Yeah, they stay there. Right. And they usually regenerate. Yeah. Yeah. So the whole project is out and uh, they're, they're like, oh man, that's crazy. And they're all, they're all one big community. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, uh, I know. It's and, on uh, my back too. I'm just like, damn. And uh, so, so I was like, you know what? That's cool. Whatever. And my little brother came up to me and that's when I first saw my little brother. I'm like, fuck, right? That's yeah. crazy. We, we, we similar. And he gives me a scrapbook uh, of pictures that of me when I was little and that was almost where I was like oh damn I've never had a baby picture of me right yeah growing up when you had a school project and you brought in pictures of yourself I was the only kid in the class I had to draw a picture of myself as a kid yeah because I never knew what I looked like I didn't have that right and uh so that was like wow I finally have pictures of myself as a baby that you know a lot of people take for granted how important that stuff is so I met everybody then I come to find out I had three little sisters also right so that was just a, um, you know, whole surreal thing. Like, wow, yeah. this is crazy as it's happening, you know. Happened so fast. Was uh, was not the intentions of going down there. So by the time I went back to uh, Jackson for my graduation next week, I had a whole other, you know, yeah. met my siblings. And uh, that was a whole other, it was just nuts, man. Do you uh, stay in contact with them after that? I, yeah. At that point, I'm... Uh, so you're talking, you graduate around, uh, what, normally June, right? Okay. Summertime hits. Fourth of July, I go down there to visit. Uh, you know, it's cracking, right? We go out there and I, yeah. I, I, I take another girl with me. And we go out, out there and we're out there Fourth of July. And I'm, you know, meeting the dudes from, the, from my brother's neighborhoods, all that, blah, blah, blah. And we're walking down State Street and that's the night I got stabbed. Oh shit! Yeah. Damn, you get step. Hold on. How much more time we got, Mario? About fifteen minutes. Okay. You get stabbed. Yeah, so we get in a big gang fight. Uh, there's paper that we, we found all the stuff. So we're we're walking in my brother's neighborhood, you know, Guleta projects, yeah. and there's a handful of us. And throughout the night, 
a couple guys break off and go home their own way. And uh, we just, we're walking home. We're walking back to our car and this car rolls up on us and they jam us up. Yeah. Hey, where, where are you from? Blah, yeah. blah. Well, they, they end up being from a, a neighborhood that's not really a rival. So everything's cool. They were looking for some other fools, right? Yeah. Well, that's a rival to my brother's neighborhood. So they're like, fuck it. Let's go find these fools together. Yeah. yeah. So that car pulls, parks their car and uh, they get out and they're, we're all walking together now. Now there's like uh, like eight of us. Now. Fucking mob. Yeah. We think until we see the other fools. There right? were 16 people. No, yeah. So according to the paperwork, there's 40 of them. The other Damn. People. So we hit the block. We turn. There's like 40 of them. They're deep. They yeah. take up the whole block. So I'm talking about 4th of July. So the streets are blocked off. Yeah. No cars going through. So it was a big, it'd be the equivalent of um, them blocking off Broadway. Yeah. Right. But Broadway being a separator between two neighborhoods. Yeah. So the other side, they took up the whole block. And it's the whole hood. It's their, I mean, that's not even, that's not even a quarter of them. They're big. They're big right out there. Okay. So now we got two neighborhoods. They got one big neighborhood. Uh, my brother had a homie that, that just got out of YA with the dude from over there that they wanted to see each other. Yeah. So they saw each other in the middle of the street. Things pop off. You know, white people are running. Yeah. Right? Mexicans are fighting, starting to gather. And uh, our, our homie got the better of them. So that means things are now being escalated. Yeah, gonna, Chairs yeah. are being thrown. Blah, blah, blah. As things escalate, that other carload that pulled up on us, they take off. Oh. Uh, so now it's just my brother's, you know, homies from yeah. whatever. So this time now we're probably looking at, you know, four of us against 40, right? Yeah. And so things pop off and I was wearing one of those big old uh, Ben Davis jackets. I should have left it on, mm-hmm. but I took it off, gave it to the girls with, and we start slinging them with these fools. Yeah. And next thing you know, you know, they're sticking me They're I'm, I'm, I get one dude wrapped up and I'm just, I have my back to the wall and we're just going at it. My brother's going at it. The homie's going at it, and our other homie's going at it. Yeah. And we're all fighting like 10 dudes, yeah. right? And I remember just little things that happened were, I mean, it's kind of funny. Now that I look at it, I remember I swung on this one dude, and I missed, but it looked like I hit him. Yeah. But he just happened to step off the curb and fell and hit his head against a car and knocked himself out. Damn. But it looked like I laid him out. Yeah. But I did it. <laughs> uh, then I remember I looked over at one point, and I'm like, how the fuck did my brother get a bat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he must have stolen a bat from one of the dudes and he's yeah. swinging away. And I'm just like, oh crap, I ain't got no bat. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just fighting these fools and I get a hold of one dude and I just start letting fuck it. If, I, if I'm going to fuck one dude up at least. So yeah, I start yeah. hitting him up. Meanwhile, they're just getting me bam, bam, bam in the chest. Didn't even know it. Never even knew it. Adrenaline. So yeah. So then uh, everything breaks up. But meanwhile, let me tell you this I do see the cops. So I'm like, oh fuck, we're going to get popped, right? They're just standing there. Yeah, they're letting go down. They yeah. couldn't do nothing, right? There was only like two of them, so I guess they're calling. So I'm like, "Fuck!" So right away, those other guys start running. People start saying the cops are here, blah blah. blah. So then they go left, we break right. We're jamming. We get hemmed up. And I remember I'm tired because we were probably fighting for a good three minutes, bro. Just Damn, nonstop, right? Brawl. That's intense. Yeah. And so I put my I I put my uh, hands on my head because I'm tired. Yeah. Right. And I was sitting there and they made me sit down. And as I sit down, I'm just like, dude, I can't breathe. Yeah. And I'm like short of breath. And but it wasn't like I'm I'm an athlete yeah. at that point. So I'm like, it wasn't really like uh, I was out of breath from being tired. I, I had good, you know, stamina. Stamina. Yeah. And so 
basically they, they see, I'm looking and, and you, you can't, I can't see it, but you see that right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I can't see it even at that, even when I was skinny, right? Yeah. But I'm looking at the paramedics and as he's cutting it off, I'm watching his face. And as he cuts my shirt right there, he's like, ooh. Yeah. And I'm like, fuck, that can't be good. Yeah. So then they take me in on the ambulance and um, they, they, we go in there and I don't know why they did x-rays. They did all that stuff and they start stitching me up and I'm telling them, I go, I still can't breathe. I go, I'm having problems breathing. And the last thing I remember is they told me, we don't even have time to talk about it. You're going into surgery. Cause I guess they finally got the, the x-rays, the x-rays back. back. Punctured lung. Punctured lung. Yeah. A couple of times, right? It punctured. <clears throat> I got a couple stab wounds, but it went not only through, but through. Oh shit. And then it came back yeah. and then it went in again. So I had uh, more punctures than stab wounds. It was, yeah. You know what I mean? So I went in and I had, they had to put a drainage tube in and I'm in the hospital for a week. You know what I mean? And it was pretty bad. And that drainage tube hurt so bad, Rose. It was a hard piece of plastic. Yeah. So when I moved, that plastic didn't, yeah. move, you know what I mean? So yeah, that was, that was one of the introductions to me with my, my siblings. And did you regret 4th of July with them after that? I was all, this is crazier than any 4th of July I ever You didn't regret that shit. You were just like, fuck it, here it is. Like, yeah. I was like, you know what? It was a bonding moment. You know <laughs> hey, I, mean? uh, I got, this is, that's, that's great and fucking horrible all at the same yeah. time. Cause I know what it's like to be in it with your brothers. Yeah. I was scrawny, skinny, and I was on the handlebars of my brother's brand new bike and he's pedaling. He's a bigger boy and we're, we're going down this hill and we used to have beef with these kids on our, on our block and like. I'm on the handlebars, no shoes on, and some kid comes out of behind a car, sticks something in the front <sighs> spokes, and I go down hard and I slide and I got road rash all through everything, everywhere. My brothers pick me up, they take me home. My mom's like patching me up and shit. And uh I'm I'm just road rashed. It's bad. Like I haven't I haven't had it on my joints before. So every time you you bend, yeah, the scab yeah, break yeah. and it's fucking horrible. Anyways, a couple weeks go by and like we catch the same kid with his brothers out and it's on and cracking. Yeah. And it just I remember telling my dad about that and it wasn't a it wasn't a year in trouble moment. It was like you guys did fucking good. Yeah. And I was like, I kind of don't even care. I just got road rash. Like, this yeah. is great, you yeah. know? Yeah. But that's probably not good. Anyways, uh <laughs> yeah. the next podcast is coming in. She's outside. Um so I want to cut it a little, just we'll cut it yeah. right there. Is there anything you want to say to the audience or any thank yous? You have your family here. It's a couple of the kids here. Like, do you have anything else to say just to wrap it all up? Uh, I think it kind of like what you and I touched back on before is, you know what? Bad things can happen in your life. It's yeah. gonna, it happens to everybody. Uh, I'm not saying to make the best of it, but I think that everything happens for a reason. Definitely uh, does. Sometimes bad things are going to happen to you and you know what? You can either, you know, gain from it or you're just going to, you know, fall apart and yeah. blame everything on that bad thing that happened. And uh, in my case, I mean, I've had a lot of bad things happen to me. And I think that I've had way more better things happen for a reason, you know. I do. And that's great. I love your outlook. Before we conclude, I'll just tiny, give me a tiny summary of, as a father, what's your idea of a dope day with the kids? Oh, man, my just, you know what, to be honest with you, just being with them is, is to me the best thing. I'm not one of those. That I feel like I have to spend money on them all the time just to yeah. have a good day. I think, uh, just sometimes it could just be, uh, uh, spending time with them going to the park. And my kids are actually very fortunate, uh, not as not unfortunate, but they're very appreciative 
of the time that we spend together. So yeah. they're not like that. They're not materialistic as, oh, I have to have this or you'd love me, you know, because yeah, yeah. I'm not like that at all. Yeah. You know, they do have some things, that, but they've also earned it themselves. So just spending time with my kids every day, it, it, one day it's going to come to an end and yeah, we're not going to know it, definitely. you know. So as long as we do it now, uh, you know, one day they're going to be too busy or doing their own thing. And I can respect that because, you know, that's what we're raising them for, to yeah. be independent. Definitely. Well, your wife was right. You got a wild story. Oh, yeah. Thank you yeah. for the reference for the podcast when she hears this. This podcast is brought to you by We Are Sacramento in the Loft. 